Hello listeners, this is Economically Yours, a financial podcast co-hosted by yours truly, Charmisha and I, Darshan Joshi. This podcast is divided into four segments but united by the drive to create awareness about the economy and the financial markets. Welcome to the first segment of Economically Yours. It's called Khabar Pakki Hai. Here, we'll be giving you a brief of what's happening in the financial markets and the economy in general for your better understanding and growth. So, let's start with what's kind of, you know, buzzing around today that there's only one thing that is there, that's the coronavirus. So the disconnect between the Indian equity markets and the growing alarm over rising coronavirus cases is much in evidence these days. India now leads the world in the daily number of fresh COVID-19 cases and there is a concern over shortage of vaccines, which has led to several immunization centers being closed in some states, although the central government stoutly denies it. Maharashtra's lockdown measures gave a fairly severe blow to businesses around around the state. The measures are largely a continuation of the weakened lockdown measures not allowing e-commerce companies to fulfill non-essential orders in an additional restriction. Meanwhile, the surge is spreading to other cities and states as well and the curve may follow the trajectory seen in Maharashtra. Most states may be compelled to shut down economic activity to curb people movement which will then have a domino effect on the economy in the coming months. Rajasthan has imposed a 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. curfew till April end, and Delhi has also imposed a weekend curfew. But hang on, there are bright spots. Smaller cities and rural areas appear to be less affected, and agriculture will continue to be a parachute for the rural economy. Exports may not be as affected as global trade lines are open, and even in Maharashtra, export-oriented units have been allowed to operate. Once this wave settles down, it can, and if we can get our act together on the vaccination front, we may be able to prevent another surge from overwhelming the economy. The vaccination question now comes into play. The growing number of cases and as a result, the restrictions being imposed on economic activity is likely to hit growth in the current quarter. Sure, stock markets are wearing a gloomy look and equity investors seem to be pricing in their worst fears, but it's a reality check for the rose-tinted valuations as well. As pointed out by PMS AIF World's CEO, Kamal Manocha, people are moving away from investing in growth at any price and are inclining towards growth at a reasonable price. The scarcity of inoculants is covering India's ambitious vaccine drive. Maharashtra, the most afflicted state, has been forced to shut down many vaccine centers, with similar shortages reported in other states as well. With the country facing vaccine starvation, as coined by Congress leader Rahul Gandhi, and with elections rolling around, we are literally at the mercy of the virus. The government has bitten the bullet and approved the third vaccine, Sputnik V. Which will, now for be, which will for now be imported by Dr. Reddy's laboratories to be used in the country. There are no further details on whether it will be part of the government's vaccination program or whether pricing will be freed up and what quantities are being ordered and so on. 
the question mark on how soon the vaccination program can achieve sufficient coverage to prevent a third wave adds uncertainty to the mix. At the same time, the economic rebound seen in countries such as the US and China should lend confidence. At some point, infections should peak and once the protective cover of vaccination kicks in, the economy should get back on its feet. Equity markets will lose no time in regaining their lost cheer then. Moving on. Concerned over fresh COVID wave and elevated food inflation, the Monetary Policy Committee or the MPC on 7th April 2021 decided to leave the benchmark repo rate unchanged, that is at 4%, after deliberating on the matter for three days. Not only did the RBI left the policy rate unchanged, but also retained its projected growth of 10.5% in FY22, as was estimated in its February bi-monthly policy. Just like the repo rate, the MSF rate or the marginal standing facility and the bank rates also remain unchanged at 4.25%. For banks deposits kept with the RBI, the reverse repo rate will continue to earn 3.35%. RBI's view on the current and future state of the economy mirrors what most experts have been contending so far. Vaccination drives could aid recovery in consumer demand and provide an impetus to growth which might be robust this year. The government's initiatives to rope in new investments may provide significant upside to the desired economic prospects. However, rising oil prices, COVID-19-led restrictions, global risks, and inflation could dampen the pace. Headline inflation had risen to 5% and core inflation touched 6% in February. That has led to a slight increase in its consumer inflation expectations in FY22. Critics, however, were unrelenting in their pursuit and they kept picking flaws in RBI's model of forecasting inflation, often contending that it had to overestimate inflation. And the RBI finally seems to have amended its model slightly in a bit to better its prediction. However, the bigger news was that the RBI announced the calendar for open market operations. The RBI and the bond market have been facing off for some time now, while the bond market has had a different view, raising borrowing costs. The RBI wants to put an end to that. A calendar for borrowing will give the market a clearer idea of the RBI's appetite. But that's not all. A new acronym, GSAP, which stands for GSEC Acquisition Program 1.0, has entered the bond market lexicon. So let's see where this bond market and RBI face-off leads us to. And yes, the pandemic has not hit the Unicorn Club of India. The financial year couldn't have started on a brighter note with as many as six unicorns being added to the Indian ecosystem within a span of four days. Yes, the feat took place in the second week of April when the market researcher CB Insights reported that valuations of six companies had crossed the billion mark, predominantly by tech companies. Companies such as Grow, Gupshup, API Holdings Private, Mohalla Tech, Misho, and Cred have all upped the ante with a bright future. SoftBank, the RBI equivalent for many Indian startups, has dominated with investments across various sectors. SoftBank's bharosa on the economy is way more than the projected growth numbers of the central bank. 
the value of deals in us and china in the previous fiscal were 143 billion dollars and 83 billion dollars respectively as compared to a meager 11.8 billion dollars in india suffice to say that venture capital money is less tapped as compared to other developed economies however digital payments giant paytm and byju's entering double digit valuations have gained the attention of investors towards the south asian countries especially india boasting of the third largest startup ecosystem in the world we should be bullish on atulnya bharat and reap its reward in the future so for the finale episode we have a mark darshak as nalin monis hear it out from the man himself and his enriching journey as an asset manager great so i'm i'm nalin monins um and i look after the alternative equity business uh at edelweiss uh we are one of the uh, largest alternative asset managers in india and i've seen the journey of the alternatives business uh an industry in india really boom i had to create the first aif in 2012 and never in my wildest dreams did i think that a 20 crore fund would grow into a 4 and a half lakh crore industry uh and i think the best days are still yet ahead um and i'm looking forward to sharing that story with you guys later today Well, thank you so much and given your past track record you know you have been an avid marathoner of globe trotter and you have also graduated with a bs in economics from the wharton school and a bsc in computer engineering from the school of engineering and you have also managed the world's largest hedge fund global alpha while still at new york's goldman sachs asset management in the mid 2000s and you were also the co-founder of forefront capital management in india one of the leading public market alternative boutique and forefront capital eventually got acquired by edlb financial services arm in may 2014 so given this background i'm sure that there must have been some impetus to you to you know leave a high paying job in the us and coming back to india and starting a fund management company so what brought you back to india so i'll give you an irreverent answer darshan which is that uh, as you can tell i have always been gainfully employed no unemployment stints on my resume uh but uh you know i came back to india because i think uh this is home uh this is where the future is and you know even though i had a great gig at goldman sachs in new york the chance to create something from scratch in india and build an industry uh was exciting in 2009 it was exciting in 2014 and it's even more exciting in 2021 great uh, so glad to have you here sir and uh, so apart from that you know like coming to our episode uh, could you just give our listeners a brief overview on what is or equity alternates in general right uh so the equity alternatives uh, are basically a whole bunch of non traditional funds in uh the listed equity space uh i think it's best to understand equity alternatives by understanding what it is not traditionally investors have invested in uh a variety of equity mutual funds uh 
large cap, mid cap, multi cap, so on and so forth. And what those funds do is that they just buy and hold 60 to 70 stocks in a portfolio. In equity alternatives, we look at more focused portfolios, which has the fund manager's best ideas, maybe some amount of leverage, some amount of shorting, uh, some amount of trading, a lot more dynamism than what uh, a mutual fund may bring. And hence, this is also, this makes it a very interesting option or alternative to you, no pun intended, for for investors. Right, great. So uh, what falls under this majorly are PMS services, that is portfolio management services and AIFs, which are alternate investment funds, right? So uh, this is for our listeners that will dig deep into AIFs in the coming segments. So uh, hang in there with us as uh, the AIF maestro with, is with us today. Moving on to the third segment of this podcast, which is Markets Ki Kahani, Speaker Ki Zubani. As the name suggests, in this segment, we'll be discussing and talking with the speaker about the current market scenario and indulge ourselves in a conversation which will focus on explaining the episode name. So, uh, post the 2008 financial crisis, you know, the equity markets have grown a lot, but the comparison cannot be, you know, taken with the AIFs. You know, the return on the AIF investment is still low as compared to the traditional investment asset classes. So, uh, how do you take that? You know, how, how would you like to generate returns through the structure that the AIF uh, gives to the audience? Right. So, I think this is one big misnomer, uh, Darshan. Uh, so, the role of equity alternatives is to provide more steady returns, you know. Uh, in the last year, for example, equity markets have boomed and a lot of funds have done well. But you also have to remember that in financial year 2020, uh, it was a year where the Nifty was down 25% and a lot of funds had struggled. And if you put both years together, a good year and a bad year, uh, right? the experience of investors may be less than uh, happy in traditional equity funds. Yes. Uh, but in equity alternatives, uh, you know, it's not as much of a, a roller coaster. Uh, it's a most steady experience. Uh, and funds did very well in FY20. They did less well in FY21. But put together, the two years are looking very good. So I think this plays a very different role in a client's portfolio. It's for a more steady, a more conservative investor and maybe an investor who has made money the hard way in a business or in a venture and is looking for capital appreciation, but equally a good night's sleep uh, every night. 
Right. So since we're comparing it with traditional uh, assets over here, so I remember I was in a conversation uh, with uh, Ashish Somaya of Vito Capital Management, and he'd mentioned that AIFs in particular have this cuteness of mutual funds and the investment latitude of PMS. So could you please throw some light on what is this mix of mutual funds and PMS that AIFs offer to investors today? Right. And Ashish is uh, is spot on. Okay. One of the reasons that yeah. the IF industry has grown so fast, and today you have more than 700 AMCs present in the IF space, is because it combines the ease of a mutual fund with the freedom and flexibility of a PMS. I'll explain this a little bit more. It's ease investing in an AIF is almost as simple as investing in a mutual fund. All you have to do is sign a two-page document, give us a KYC, and you're good to go. Uh, there is no bank account. There is no DMAT account. There is no broking account to open. And um, in terms of the, the statements that you receive every month, uh, the fact sheets, everything is standardized. Even for a fund manager like me, it's super simple because there's just one portfolio to manage. Okay. However, so that's the ease of a mutual fund, but it has a lot of freedom that a mutual fund does not have. In the case of category one or two AIFs, it can invest in unlisted securities. Uh, in case of category three funds, you can do shorting, you can do leverage. You don't always have to be fully invested. You don't have to hold 60 to 70 stocks like you did, like you do on the mutual fund side and so on and so forth. So it gives the fund manager a lot more freedom, creativity and flexibility to manage the portfolio. So I think, you know, Ashish is absolutely right. This is the best of both worlds. And that's why you've seen things grow so fast. Right. Uh, so this is just for our listeners that according to the new SEBI rules, uh, the ticket minimum ticket size for an investor to invest in a PMS is 50, INR 50 lakhs and to invest in an AIF is INR 1 crore. So uh, uh, Nalin, you just talked about, you know, category one and category three. So could you just take us through all the three categories for the listeners, please? Right. Uh, and I wish these categories were named something a little more interesting. But this is the classification by SEBI. Category 1 AIFs uh, cover venture capital funds and infrastructure funds. Now, the two have nothing to do with each other, but they are clubbed together in Category 1. So, uh, these are funds that are, you know, getting either investing in startups or in the case of infra funds, you know, investing in roads, power projects, transmission lines, etc. Category two AIFs include real estate funds, credit funds, and private equity. Uh, you know, and here they are either doing some kind of lending activity in the case of credit funds or real estate funds, or they're investing in more mature startups. Uh, right before they go public. And category three 
deals with a listed space here funds are either long only okay uh, or they can be long short so taking bets on both companies that will do well and companies that will do poorly so that is the broad classification uh and as i said i wish these names were a little more descriptive so given the classification we just got from you i'm sure managers take a certain level of leverage also for investing in such funds so high leverage does uh, account to a certain level of risk which is also you know investors do look forward to when they start investing so how would you think that portfolio managers should uh, you know take account in take account the amount of leverage that they have taken to reduce the risk right so uh, darshan first of all by sebi regulations leverage is only allowed in category 3 aif and it is capped to two times two times means that if i'm managing a corpus of 1000 crores my positions cannot exceed 2000 crores now that is far less than what you can do as an individual investor in a broking account and that makes sense because you are managing third party money now in practice uh out of the 130 to 140 category 3 funds that are available i would say that only maybe 10 to 15 funds are actually using any form of leverage and even then it is very modest maybe from 1 to 1 and a half times okay so uh funds are not using a large amount of leverage uh and i think the fact that the industry has gone through so many periods of volatility good and bad take demonetization take uh you know uh modi being elected twice uh take the march 2020 crash due to covid right uh there are so many examples in the last 8 9 years and we have not had a single blow up or a single big failure in the industry and i think this should give investors confidence that the rules that sebi has put into place are very prudent very sensible uh and also fund managers are doing very very sensible things uh right so i i have a two parted question now uh, first yeah. is that uh, what i hear from you is that aifs are definitely you know more attractive to investors today so why is it that they are attractive is it the transparency that's involved or is it the freedom that's involved and secondly if they are attractive i mean given that they are attractive there is also risk involved right so given the leverage that is the even if it's 2x so uh, i've heard from fund managers that you know they are risk managers first and then return managers so their first priority is capital preservation and then generating returns so uh, with that said leverage coming into the picture does that still stay intact or not yes so i think charmi you expressed it so beautifully that fund managers are you know risk managers first 
return managers second uh, because at the end of the day it's not a number in a spreadsheet you're managing somebody's hard earned savings right aifs are not risk free uh frankly no investment is risk free uh if you're investing in category 1 and 2 funds then you are making long term illiquid investments and that is a key risk factor in those kind of funds in category 3 which deals with the listed space uh because you you may be running a, a concentrated portfolio there may be periods of time when you dramatically underperform the the benchmark and of course on the long short side both your long and your short bets could go wrong and you could uh, deliver negative returns so you know risks are there and it's important for all of your listeners and all your your viewers to understand that uh this to go into these investments with their eyes wide open so i think uh, aifs as a investment class has grown remarkably well in the last one and a half years given that jio uh, has been able to raise more than 20 billion dollars from foreign portfolio investments and the second one is that uh, startups have now been classified under the priority sector lending by the regulations in india so how do you look forward or for aifs and what kind of uh, funds are able to you know give better returns to investment managers is it the ipo funds or the startup funds or the infrastructure funds which would be the best ideal fund to you know move forward within the next 5 to 10 years so i'm darshan i as i said uh, i am super excited about the aif industry and the growth prospects for alternatives in india uh there is no single right fund okay just like there is no single right mutual fund mutual funds come in all shapes and sizes ranging from a very safe overnight or liquid fund to a very high risk high return small cap fund likewise uh aifs come in all avatars and all risk return characteristics uh but there is activity happening in all of these categories there is a lot more action happening in startups so money coming into vc funds uh india is starved for money for infrastructure and hence there is a big opportunity for infra funds uh you know uh credit activity is moving away from nbfcs and banks to aifs many of the same startups that are funded by vcs are staying private longer and hence there is more demand for pe and lastly as i said uh in the listed space uh there is a lot of innovation a lot of new ideas like equity long short uh that are bringing interesting funds to an investor's portfolio so i'm super excited about everything 
okay uh, just is changing track slightly over here and you know kind of coming to the tax implications as well as uh, the uh, com- coming in of nris into af so is it really what are the regulations rules and protocols of bringing in nris is it difficult is it easy also uh, what impact has brexit created and what will it bring in and other uh, tax implications aligned to uh, you know what are domestic uh, what are home country also kind of you know so uh, one thing that i know is that uh, taxes are charged at the funds end so the returns that an investor generates are from an aif are post tax right so uh, what what are the protocols on the same align on the same lines for nris and uh, what are the implications for the same right charmin so uh, first of all uh you know brexit does not have any impact uh you know on any of this industry or any of this this growth uh secondly uh nris are allowed to invest in aifs uh but it is on a fund by fund basis so there is no general answer people will have to some funds allow nris some funds don't allow nris okay uh and number 3 is that taxation which is very important as a very important topic is at the investor level for category 1 and category 2 aifs but in category 3 it is the fund that pays tax okay so a little bit of nuance there uh personally in category 3 which is where i focused i found that it is very convenient for nris because if the fund is paying the tax then the nri doesn't really have to worry about getting a capital gains statement talking to their chartered accountant etc etc it's very very simple but it also makes the fund manager's job a little bit tougher because you have to manage tax in addition to managing investments so as my co-host rightly pointed out a few uh, you know regulations that govern aifs and you just said that it uh, sometimes becomes difficult for managers to you know allocate the funds correctly so given a chance uh, what would you change one thing about the you know aif industry or the way aifs are structured so that you know you can allocate the funds in a much better or efficient way what would you change right. that one thing uh so at least in category 3 i would love the tax to be at the investor level so the fund manager can focus all their attention on managing the portfolio not on managing tax also uh, this i'm not sure of but i've just heard while you know being part of a lot of conversations is that you know most fund managers also kind of you know crave for a regulatory body to you know kind of uh, smoothen the flow of alternates so uh, what is the uh, you know niche over there i i completely agree charmi i am a big believer in regulation and i think having a very sensible and wise regulator like sebi uh, only helps us to build a better business because it gives a vote of confidence and it gives a stamp of credibility to the fund manager welcome to the fourth and the last segment of economically yours it's called economy mein lag gayi aag 
So this is a quick fire round where the co-host will shoot words alternatively to the speaker and he or she will have to reply with the first word or phrase that pops up in the mind. So and now we would like to go on to the fourth segment where we will throw words at you and it will be a quick fire round so you'll have to reply as fast as you can. Okay, Done. This is your version of of coffee with Karan. Yeah, and I'm sorry to yes. interrupt, but I think uh, given the marathoner that we have in him, speed is not a question for us for this round, right? Um, betting on. Well, we'll see. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the first word is VC fun. Uh, exciting. Uh, SEZs. Uh, a. Big opportunity. Angel investing. Uh, a lot of fun. Long only or long short? Long short. Traditional investments. Boring. Concentrated or diversified portfolio. Concentrated. Risk return trade off. Uh. Always keep in mind. Sebi. Uh, super. The last one from my side would be Goldman Sachs Asset Management Company. Great place to start a career. And the last one from from my side would be Indian Economy. Uh, great prospects. Great, great. So thank you so much for being a part of this podcast <laughs> and uh, we would just like to conclude with a few questions and from my side it would be if you had uh, you know if you had the opportunity to turn angel investor at this point of time which would be that one company that you would gun for or root for and put all your money on that company which would be that just one company Right. So I think the company that I'm most excited about is run by a friend of mine, Vasant Kamath, which is small case. I think they are doing super stuff, and you know, uh, small case will be a unicorn uh, and be truly disruptive in financial services. So power to Vasant and his team. Great. Uh, I'd like to ask you. an extension of the question that darshan asked you during the introduction so uh, we saw that you know you moved back to your home country and started a, a business here given a chance at this juncture to run a business in in the west at a very pro- popular company xyz company uh, would you take that chance or not no i i think that india is is the place to be all right okay Thank you so much for coming over and thank you for being a part of the finale of Economically Yours. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Charmi. Thank you, Darshan. Thank, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast.